guys, it's Joe Garcia, Playboy's Gamer Next Door, and you're hearing it here on Versus Node Podcast on GamerNode.com. Welcome to the October 2010 edition of the Versus Node Replay. I am Associate Editor of GamerNode.com, Jason Finelli, and with me, making his triumphant return to the podcast after approximately six weeks of not hearing his voice, Editor-in-Chief, Air Eddie Inzotto. Eddie, where the hell have you been? Has it seriously been that long? Yes. Well, you weren't on the replay, and we didn't do one in the middle of October. Right. You were you were on the end of the uh Halo Reach one, but that was for Big Red Potions. That technically yeah. doesn't count. Yeah, that was uh that was weird. Um yeah, I've been I moved across the country. Um so I've been doing all the things that come with that and I finally got settled and I got to play some games just in the last week, which is pretty awesome. Good. But it's definitely That's good true. to hear from you guys again. Yeah, absolutely. How is uh, San Diego treating you so far? Wonderfully. It's yeah. the finest city in the world. Oh, yeah? Uh, I saw your pictures, and I saw the very first picture you took when you got there was of the burrito that you were eating. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Eddie and his burritos. I love them. Um, all right, th- that other creepy voice that you hear is <laughs> news, news director Michael Murphy, straight from what may be the best interview him and I have ever done together, because it's the only one. Mike, how was your month of October? It was good, though apparently I'm now a creeper. <laughs> no, <that was> just... <laughs> anyway, yes, my, my October's been awesome, and yes, our, our video interview with Warren Spector was amazing. Probably, probably one of the best things ever. Oh, get out. Y'all just talked to Warren Spector? At yeah. Comic-Con. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yep. Game and sat down with uh, Warren Spector to talk about Mickey. And this was a interview where one of us, we won't say who, stumped Warren Spector. Indeed. Wow. He could not answer the question. could not answer the question, and that was amazing. I'm trying to guess <laughs> it would be. It's, it's, it was definitely Jason. And then we killed him. Find out. Yeah. And that was even cooler. <laughs> and then the guy who's giving me praise, but I... <laughs> we shaved... We sh- you should have seen the look on Warren when that knife went into him. Oh, jeez, it was priceless. <laughs> and then we shaved his beard. <laughs> he, was even, he was more mad about that than he was that he stabbed him. Yeah. Uh, and the fourth voice, who's giving me praise that I probably don't deserve, is Dan Crabtree, another Stanford resident <laughs> dude. How's Dan? Dude, I'm doing all right. Uh, October's been okay. I feel like one thing keeping me afloat in October has been video games, so I'm ready to talk about them. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, you... yeah. Dan's got <laughs> midterms. Uh, I have a couple. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, boy. What's up, college? <laughs> Still got your bum wine, though? <laughs> no, I finished that a while ago. Oh. <laughs> uh, now, are you like a couple of my buddies already had about 50 hours in Fallout and they couldn't be? Are you one of those people? 
I haven't been able to get in 50 hours, but I've gotten probably 20 to 30. So, yeah. All right, cool. Um, October was a stacked month for video games. Um, if you go back to all the way to the 5th of October, which seems like a pretty odyssey ago, considering all the crap that came out, that day alone you had NBA 2K11, which uh, my kids live on the You had NBA Jam on the Wii, you had Enslaved, Odyssey to the West, Castlevania Lords of Shadow. Uh, the next week, uh, the 12th, some of the big titles were Medal of Honor, um, Dead Space Ignition for the uh, 360 and PS3 download, which if you pre order Dead Space 2, you can get for free. Don't ask about that. Um, Sonic and Hedgehog 4 Episode 1 was the same day. That was a big day for the port for the uh, downloadable stuff like that. Uh, the following week, the 19th, uh, well, starting on the 17th of September, you had, uh, sorry, October, you had Kirby Death and Gone uh, for Nintendo fans. And then the 19th was Fallout New Vegas, Time Crisis Raising Storm, and The Shoot for your move fans. Um, anime fans got Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Ninja Storm 2. And Vanquish, which is essentially probably an anime made into the game. Um, EA Sports MMA for the sports guys. PJ Hero 2 for the music people. Uh, a lot of stuff there. And then this week, for the 26th of October, to round it out, we got SmackDown vs. Raw 2010 for the uh, wrestling crowd. We got Rock Band 3 for the music guys. Um, I've, I've had it already came out. I'm running the line now. But Fable 3 for the RPG fans. And that, I think, rounds it out. Am I forgetting anything? Oh, Sims 3 on the console, so people can stop asking for Sims games in the current gen. It's out today. Go get it, you crazy Sim bastard. Um, right. I'm going to start with Eddie, since it's been so long since our listening public have been able to hear him. What game has stuck out to you this October? I, I started out the month with nothing, and then all of a sudden I played a bunch of games um, a little bit at a time. Uh, I did review The Writer, which I had been waiting for for a long time, well, since the first DLC for Alan Wake, and that was great because it finally gave me an ending point. It may not have been like a perfect resolution, but um, it was an okay stopping point for the story. It was like one of those cliffhangers that is an okay cliffhanger because it leaves you ready for a new beginning, Um, and it was also really trippy and psychological. it's not the typical cliffhanger... You know, Alan Wake TV lost like ending that you hate so much. Oh man, no! It's not just like, and it's over. What? It, <laughs> we're in the middle of something. It's like, I don't know. It's, I don't know, man. It's like jumping out of the shower before you wash the soap out of your hair. <laughs> you mean you mean you guys don't do that? <laughs> no, no, no. But the writer was cool. Uh, it um. It got rid of a lot of the the backstabs that were really annoying, uh, especially in the signal, and uh, just really focused um, on on Alan and on in, in, the inside of his mind and how crazy it can be, which was cool. So they're obviously leaving it open for an Alan Wake to if somebody decides to do it, right? Um, I feel like there's a a hundred percent Alan Wake too. Like, it's in the end of the writer. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Okay, cool. Awesome. Is, is it like, is all the gameplay and everything the same? Did they add any... Where was this more just like for the story? Um, Alan Wake is, is always all for the story. They The gameplay is basically unchanged. They use 
more of the flashlight on the uh, floating words approach as opposed to the more combat-heavy approach in the previous DLC. But there's no mechanical update to the game, really. They do a little bit more platforming, which is interesting. That's cool. Um, but would, I mean, you say that the ending is a good cliffhanger, and it still made you go, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, to me, there are good cliffhangers, because I normally enjoy a cliffhanger, because it, it ends, like, a leg of the story, or, like, a segment of the story well, and then just, like, starts a whole new beginning. It's like a fresh reset. But in the other Alan Wake editions, it really wasn't like that. In this one, it is. So it feels like, to me, it's actually sort of... I'm curious why the signal and the writer were not part of the disc-based game. I feel like if they were, it would have been a better, complete experience. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Huh. I understand that. Um, cool. All right, so you you continuing the Alan Wake saga, and... You're ready for episode two, I assume, whenever they decide to release it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The return of Alan Wake. I'm excited. Cool. Um, Mike, I know, is pretty jazzed because he's playing the game right now. I am. Um, so what is that? What do you find? I, for about the past hour before the podcast, which I've discovered that I tend to do quite often, <laughs> is uh, I've been playing Fable 3. And, uh, so far it's, it's pretty good. I was, uh, the, the, the opening, uh, cutscene, which is, is out on the internet. You can see, I thought was like wonderful. It was a, uh, there's an entire voiceover about how there's a coming revolution in Albion, but the entire, uh, the entire scene is like shown as a chicken trying to escape from uh, this guy who's selling him on the market to, like, have him ki- like his head cut off and killed. So it's basically this big, epic voiceover of, like, Albion is in trouble and it has a tyrannical leader and the Age of Heroes is over and it needs a revolution, it needs a new hero. All the while, there's this chicken running around getting kicked by marching troopers and trying to avoid getting uh, burned alive in a... Uh, industrial complex and everything and it's it's hilarious it's awesome you, you know what i thought when i when i saw that because i started playing fable as well today um i, I thought it was kind of like a mini like a pixar short it's got like that kind of quality graphics yeah it did and actually like, and it, yeah, it like falls around a chicken like that's what they pixar would do and it's got a little bit of humor to it so yeah i, I enjoyed it and um from what I've played so far, they still have the, uh, the the people interactions, which are which is very fun. Combat is still um, pretty much like one button for ranged attacks, one button for magic attacks, one button for melee attacks. So it's still got that like basicness to it, but uh, I've always enjoyed it. Uh, the storyline so far is actually really really good. Right off the bat, um, they give you like a harsh decision to make. Like not even not yeah. even an hour into the game, they give you a really harsh decision, almost almost pretty much echoing the uh, the final decision you have to make in uh, Fable Two. Yeah, it, it is a tough one. I was really surprised that that came so quickly uh, in the game. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I think in uh I I sort of cheated and read a bunch of reviews 
Uh, it, it sounds like that is a plenty in uh, Fable 3. That's sort of their focus was to get you to make a whole bunch of horrible decisions <laughs> that you weren't going to be satisfied with. Awesome. That's good. I actually, I think, I think some of those decisions in Fable 2 are what made Fable 2 like better than the original, so... Well, you know what? I think that's important thing. that the first decision sort of catches you off guard because in life, I guess, uh, you you don't have a whole build-up, really, and, a, and you're not waiting till the end of a whole journey to make a decision. Des- decisions and tough choices come at any time. And in games, we've been trained, maybe, to not expect that until late in the game, but when it comes up in the beginning, it's really uh, a shock. So it, it's kind of cool. Exactly. Yeah. That's what made it so shocking and so good. I was floored at the fact that, like, it wasn't even a half an hour into the game. Like, the characters had j- literally just been, like, established, and already you had this decision just thrown in your face. I'll, I'll give out a spoiler warning where where people's lives were basically in your hands. Like, people were going to die based on this decision already. Yes. And yeah. It was really good, and it like you like Eddie like you said it's almost kind of like in in regular life these like sometimes tough decisions like this it might not have to deal with like people's lives on the line but decisions like this kind of just come out of nowhere there's no real build up to it for hours and hours so it kind of mirrors reality a bit which and it didn't just build until like a midpoint or big like a uh, big plateau in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very cool to hear. I, I think the thing that I think the thing that's interesting about it is that uh, maybe it's just sort of the nature of Fable games, but they've made you care by that point, which is like I guess that would be the uh, why people don't normally put that kind of climax so early in a game is because like you have no investment yet. But I guess just playing a Fable game, you're already expecting to go very headlong into the characters and be very caught up in them and their relationships, you know, whether it's with the dog or with other people. So. Uh, I, I thought that was the most impressive part is that it's like, oh, I I actually care whether or not I'm going to kill these people, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm curious to know how the world is actually structured this time around. Is it more cohesive, like in Fable, where you were venturing from one point to the to the end point, or is it more disjointed, like in Fable 2, where you have... Um, you don't see what's between areas. You just end up being there because that sort of took me out of the game in Fable 2. It was just really jarring not having a clear understanding of the the layout of the world so much and no continuity between areas. From I, would, I would argue that it's a little bit of both. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Oh, well, from what I've seen so far, um, you're going to have a home kind of like a home base area that's going to allow you to um, warp to and from uh, different cities. So I don't know uh, if there's actually going to be in, any in-between areas. It might just be warping from city to city or location to location from your main base. Mm. Um, or it could be a combination of both. You could have to – because uh, at the very beginning when you first unlock it, only one place – you can only go to one place. You can only warp to one place, and you have to like – uh, and I and it's basically for originally used by teleporting from those from those locations it seems so I don't know if you're going to be able to just warp to different places automatically once you hit certain points in the story 
or you're going to have to actually travel to those places on foot through in between areas and then it'll be unlocked for fast travel or not but mm-hmm. uh as of right now it's set up to where it looks like you can um you can just go to your home base and there will be there's a big map in the center of your home base area and you can just uh teleport to different like uh villages and cities and locations all right. Uh, I never really got into the fables, so Fable Three didn't really excite me. But the more I hear about it, the more I just want to be like, I want to play some Fable. <laughs> Do it. I kind of like what uh, Dan told me back in E3 when he grabbed the lady's face and poured it in it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is. I haven't done that yet, but I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Didn't you also dress up when, as a um, chicken or something? Yeah. Yes, I did that as well. <laughs> yes, you can. Um, one of the things that I've already done with the uh, with the expressions is that you can um, you can walk up and like press A to shake the person's hand, and you'll do a basic like handshake. But if you hold it and release, you'll do like this crazy secret handshake where you're slapping the back of each other's hands and, and knocking <laughs> forearms with each other. Nice. What is commonly known as daps. Yeah. <laughs> known as what? Daps. Commonly known as daps. <laughs> <laughs> the first game ever with daps that isn't Def Jam. <laughs> what uh, what are you, what are you playing this October, Dan? Um, well, I've mostly been playing Fallout New Vegas. That's that's occupied the majority of my time. But uh, I guess Fable Three. And before that, I spent uh, three. Uh, I don't want to say boring, but sort of tedious hours on Dead Space Ignition. <laughs> Weren't you really excited to play that? Yeah. Here's the thing. Like, I, I'm just like a huge Dead Space nerd, so like anything comes out. Like, I've got like all the movies and all that shit. Like, I really, really like Dead Space. So when it came out, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is gonna be great. Like, I'm just going to do it for the story. I get the gameplay is not going to be, like, you know, blow me away or anything. But it it really was just, uh, like, I would have preferred to just have, like, a maybe a half-hour, you know, comic strip movie or something like that. Uh, the gameplay was, it's it's like, I, I, I'd much rather would have gone on to, like, a, you know, like a Newgrounds or whatever and played some online, like, games or something than that to go through all that but the story itself was actually really cool uh, and and leads up to Dead Space 2 really well so I'm excited for that I guess (laughs) oh man bittersweet yeah Fallout New Vegas it's uh I'm I'm getting ready to write my review for it it's uh one of the buggiest games I've played in a long time it's really uh it seems very broken (laughs) in a lot of ways uh, there was a segment that I recently played, and maybe it's because my Xbox is getting old, too. I don't know if it's a combo with that or something. Uh, but I, there was a segment where I, I was trying to fight these people, and my, my right trigger stopped working. So I was just jamming. I was slamming the shit out of my right trigger. Just like, come on, give me to shoot this human that I'm staring at. And it wasn't. it didn't do anything. I just, like, the game just stopped working in the way that it should. And then, you know, maybe five, ten minutes later, it recovered and started, you know, working properly. Um, But, I mean, even aside from that, it's just, like, uh, you know, shit popping out of walls, like, characters 
who should be talking to you aren't talking to you. Uh, I recently talked to a friend who played it, and he got stuck on this one quest because uh, uh, the the woman that he's supposed to talk to got spawned inside of a wall. Um, so he was unable to communicate with her because she was inside of a wall. Um, and so, so there's like a lot, a lot of bugs. Um, and I'm, I think that they're releasing a patch sometimes. Yeah, I don't know if anyone has heard about that, but I really hope they do. Because other than that, it is a great game, in, very much in the tradition of Fallout 3. That's so. what a lot of my friends uh, had said. It was awesome, except for the fact that it was bugging you shit. Like, there was one... There's a lot of times where the one guy um, said he would shoot his gun, but he would go into Troyne, and the Troyne would make his character put the gun over his head. Yeah, yeah, that definitely happens. But but when it goes over his head, it still shoots his in front of him. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It doesn't make any sense. No, it's, there's a lot of things like that in the game, which is why I'm having a really tough time like thinking about this review. I'm like, you know what, this is just... It's, Every bit as great a game as Fallout 3 is not better because it's a little bit bigger and uh, and there's the whole thing with the factions, um, but it's just so glitchy. It's hard to get past that. It's like how, how do you how do you respond to a game that may be perfect once they come out with a patch? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I hope. I, a lot of people telling me that if they didn't come out with a patch, then they might not be able to finish it because it's just that hard to deal with. Yeah, I'm seeing yeah, a lot of people on Twitter just saying uh, I'm not playing the game until the patch comes out, and in the meantime, I'll get through some of my backlog. I feel like that might be a smart yeah, thing to yeah, do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely would have if I were not trying to write the review in some sort of timely manner. But <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the, the cool thing is the factions that they've added in um, it's a, it's pretty much like anyone is a part of a faction in one way or another, and the game is very much based around um, the idea of alignment and morality as it relates to these varying factions. And uh, you can set up your game like trying to go in one direction. So, for example, I was like, I don't want to align with anyone. I want to do my own thing, be like really independent, not you know, try not to make any terrible decisions, trying to be like a a good character. And then, like, Mr. House was, like, he, he's, like, the guy who runs New Vegas. He's, like, you know what? I can give you this sweet weapon if you just, like, kill this one guy. And I was, like, oh, it's okay. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> I killed the one guy. And then it was, like, okay, well, now everyone else hates you. And so you're going to have to work for me and be super evil. <laughs> so, well, that's that a, sucks. It, it kind of tricks you. No, a that's bit, awesome. I wasn't okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It is, it is awesome, but I have to I have to I have to clarify something. Um, I heard that the person in the beginning of the game who you have to look for because it does something to you. Yes. And if you haven't heard, I'm not going to say it. Um, is he voiced by Matthew Perry? He is voiced by Matthew Perry. I watched the Dev Diary for it. Yeah, he is. <laughs> what? And the guy who does like the narration is Hellboy. Strangely enough. Oh, he did the narration in three, though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, oh, there's some other people who are in it. It's just like very bizarre, but also like super famous voice actors. Um, I wish they brought back Liam Neeson though, because I thought he was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Chandler Bing. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you can't tell most of the time, so it's okay. Well, that's good. As long as you can't tell. As long as you can't tell. Yeah, he's he's not like pulling out lines from friends or something like Joey. Come on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you but walk out into the desert. Walk out into the desert. It's like, could there be uh, any more cacti out here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I played one, and that was it. NBA Jam was the only game that I got to play for multitude of reasons, but it was a damn good one. I will tell you that. Um, I, I put the game in. Thankfully, it lets you play with the classic controller, and I have a I have a classic controller pro, so I had the grips. And I immediately went back to NBA Jam TE on PlayStation One. I was right back. It took. No time at all. A couple of button placements are a little bit different, and you want to get back into the whole, like, stealing versus shoving type thing. But, holy shit, the game is incredible. The soundtrack is awesome. The guy, the announcer is in perfect form. He has a couple of new lines um, that I was... I, I laughed out loud in the middle of the game, and I, I started screwing myself up. You know, this was the beginning of the month, though. You think I can remember any of them? Nope. Um, huh. But yeah, the, if you if you go through a match, he'll just say things, and you'll be like, "What?" and you just start laughing. Um, he, he does say though, he does say, "Boom goes the dynamite." Yeah, awesome. He does say that, but he's still got the old staples like "Boom Shakalaka," put the nail in the coffin towards the end. Um, and the hidden characters are there. The hidden characters are there in full force. You got you got the Democrats, Obama, and uh, Joe Biden, and. <laughs> You got the Republican team, who's McCain and and George W. and Dick Cheney, Sarah Palin. I found it funny that that's hilarious. I found it funny that all four of the Republicans had a, a steal rating of eight. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was all of their best attribute. Um, they add a lot of um, a lot of like modes. Like they have the the go through the season mode they had before, but they also have like boss battles where you can go, you can pick any player and go one on one against like Magic. And uh, bird and a bunch of old like uh, old time legends and stuff like that. There's a bunch of unlockables. Like uh, uh, some teams have mascots, some teams have legends, some teams have both. Um, huh. and, and then you can unlock like crazy people. Like uh, if you've ever watched Sports Nation on ESPN, Michelle yes. and Colin Coward, they're in. The Are you serious? Yeah, and they're ridiculous. Like, they're the highest-rated team in the game, those two. <laughs> I, I don't know how, but yeah. I, I I love that. But yeah, I mean, it, it plays just like NBA Jam did back in the day, so if you were a fan, there's really nothing stopping you. He's on fire! <laughs> fire is awesome. Like, they do the crazy dunks anyway, but if you're on fire, you go, like, to the ceiling, you spin around 40,000 times. <laughs> awesome. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> and 
of the coolest things about the game, I didn't even mention this, is the facial expressions. They like they took like high res photos of these players, even the classic players making crazy ass faces, and they <laughs> they high res them into, and they they imported them into this game on the, on the character models. That so is like, amazing. So like when when uh, Patrick Ewing, Patrick Ewing, nineteen eighties era Patrick Ewing goes up for a dunk, he does the flips, and his mouth open, he's like, Rah! Ah! And he's, that's, that's so that's so. <laughs> So cool. Wonderful. Definitely worth it. It was almost a game time decision for me because, of course, as you know, when you buy a Rock Band game, you're not just buying the game. Was it injured? Is that why it was a game time decision? (laughs) Yes, my my wallet was questionable for uh, the game. (laughs) Questionable with the... Listed as questionable, but it said it could make it through, so I gave it the nod. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, whenever you buy a rock band game, you're like, well, it's not any good if I don't buy the new peripherals. Uh, oh yeah. So uh, my option was either spend like, like an extra $80 for the keyboard or spend an extra $40 for the symbols. And I was like, well, let's, let's be economically, uh, responsible for a little bit. We're already wasting about a hundred dollars on a game. Let's play the keyboard. <clears throat> huh? They said let's play economically responsible and buy the keyboard. <laughs> or both. Yeah, I, I almost went through and bought both, but then I would have just been poor. Really, really poor. White castle on your love. <laughs> but, um, yeah, from what I've played so far, it, it I love Pro Mode. It's really great. Um, for I've only played it for drums, obviously, because I bought the cymbals. But, um... You actually get a better feel because you have the three symbols and it actually distinguishes between the drums and everything. And they have a full on, um, they have a full on tutorial mode, like more in depth than I believe uh, has been in any Rock Band game before. And they have it for both regular and pro mode, which is really great. Um, I love, I love the uh, all, almost every single uh, song on the uh, the new set list um, from Bohemian Rhapsody. To uh, hardest button to button to uh, even to stuff like uh, Power of Love and uh, like Space Odyssey by Bowie. Like Space Odyssey's on there? Yes, it is. Oh motherfucker! It's another really really great great set list. It's it's definitely one of the most varied uh, set lists. The set list is really the most important part of any of these music games because I got Power Gig and. It's great, because I have this guitar, I have the strings, um, so I'm all set to go. I open up the game, and I don't like any of the songs in the game. There are like three songs I like in this entire game, and it breaks my heart. Oh, God. Send that shit over here! It's got Dave Matthews and Kid Rock. I'll play that shit. <laughs> One of the best things I actually think that came in the Rock Band 3 case is they have a booklet of all 2,000 songs. Oh, nice. In their library, both on uh, the Rock Band network, like the downloadable uh, official Rock Band ones, and in all three games. It doesn't count uh, Beatles Rock Band, though. None of the Beatles Rock Band songs are in that list. But like Rock Band 1, Rock Band 2, Rock Band 3, I think Green Day Rock Band, and all of the downloadable stuff is all in this one little booklet. Which is awesome, because you can look through it, and, you, and it's it's even separated by, uh, by artists. So you can be like, huh, I really like this band. I wonder if that's here. Oh, it is. Awesome. Let me see if it's in the set list. It's not? Oh, it must be downloadable. Holy 
shit. So it makes finding the it makes finding stuff so much easier. And speaking of finding stuff, the uh, the sorting in uh, and searching in Rock Band Three is so much better than any of the other uh, Rock Band games before it. Like before, you could only uh, separate by artist or by uh, by artist uh, era difficulty. Now you can search uh, by artist. Like, say you want to play Red Hot Chili Peppers, but you want to play Red Hot Chili Peppers, that uh, song that's really hard on guitar. You can go to Artist Real, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then you can go down to um, Guitar Difficulty or and, like, pick, like, whether it's hard on guitar or easy on guitar and stuff like that and search it, right. and those will show up for you. So, like, if I'm playing the drums and Stephanie, who, God bless, God bless her soul, is not very good at these guitar games, she'll be playing the the guitar part, but she wants to be easier. I could set drums to my difficulty, guitar to her difficulty, and then search for the song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can um, basically say, okay, let's find a song that has uh, challenge on drums, but no challenge at all on on voices. Search, and it'll give you a list of those songs. It's ridiculous. It's the Google of rock band. Exactly, and that's that's what makes it so much easier to find a song. It's it's so much better than any other rock band or any other rhythm game uh, before it. Can I time out for a second? Dan, are you still there? Oh, yeah, I'm still here. I'm just, just, I'm, I, I, was, I, I remember seeing that at E3. Um, and so it, at least I think it was. And they sorted it also by, um, like, uh, like, moody blues song or something like that. Like, they had these really intricate sort of... Uh, I don't, know, I don't know how you would describe it. The interesting categories that if you like, if you're like, I want a song that's about zombies or something retarded like that. Like you could do that even uh, in addition to all that other stuff. I didn't mean to call you out there, but usually I can tell you're still there by because you laugh at my bad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I also though I was reading um, IGN's review for Rock Band 3, which is a really bad review of Rock Band 3. Well, they give it. Uh, well, I mean, they, they give it a fine score. They give it 8.5. It's just, I mean, not not to knock this person who wrote this review too much. It's just like they explained how Rock Band works, as in the numbers and bars on the screen tell you how to play the chords. Like, I don't, I don't, it's, it's, it's oh really? Good I was I was uh, sort of mesmerized by that, but I was also listening. Kind of. No, no, that, that's fine. <laughs> I, was just, I was just making sure your connection didn't cut out. Oh yeah, no, I'm so good. And um, I like the, I also like the uh, the new career mode that they have. Um, throughout your entire background, um, your band and any of the uh, like set replacement players uh, um, or band members, which are like preset created uh, like band members for the game, and they include characters like you know Moose Jaw from the other game from Rock Band One and Rock Band Two, and like other new characters. They'll be walking around in the background in different settings as you're, like, going through the menus, through the main menus. Um, and, like, whenever you go to a menu, it'll switch over through, a, through like, a visual transition. And uh, whenever you go to play, like, a set, like, when you first start out, you're a uh, your garage band that's basically you're taking this – you've got your, your guitar and your amp and everything, and you're taking it with you on the subway to all these, like, small-time gigs. And when you start a set, it will show 
when you start a career set or a career challenge, it will show all your band members like packing up their stuff, leaving their apartment. Then it'll cut to them going into the subway and then getting on the subway car. Yeah, I heard the loading screens were seamless. Like they're really, really good. Um, and uh, basically the way you progress in career is you earn fans, which you don't just get by beating uh, challenges in career mode, which is what you would normally do in previous Rock Band games. Uh, they Instead, you, uh, you can complete the set lists and the challenges that are given to you. Uh, and then on top of that, to earn more fans, there are more challenges like beat uh, this many uh, like certain level difficulty uh, songs on drums on like medium hard expert. And doing those things will give you more fans towards your career progress. So like you can be making progress on your career without even playing the career uh, challenges. Oh, nice. I like that. Um, now, here's my thing. You said you didn't play the piano yet. Um, no, unfortunately I'm, not. I'm always looking into the future. Uh, this is a, a slightly, uh, not, I don't call it the future. I would call it like next month or the month after. Um, I'm a big fan of like like Guitar Hero as much as it is currently inferior to Rock Band. Um, they do a very good job of incorporating like songs of the time. So like like holiday songs, Steve Wee Metal will write a holiday piece. Um, during the World Cup, he wrote like, like heavy metal versions of a bunch of different national anthems. That's pretty cool. With the piano, now, or the keyboard, now in Rock Band's repertoire, could you imagine playing Trans-Siberian Orchestra? <laughs> yes. Jesus. It's so awesome. Although, that is also very much a guitar piece. I know what I'm saying. But, but yeah. the, uh, a lot of that is, like, like Wizards in Winter, which is the song for the the, uh, the lights on the house. You may remember. Um, yes. Night at Sarajevo. No, 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 no. Not, not, no. I mean, Christmas Eve, Sarajevo. Yes. I'm talking about the house, like on the commercials. When all the lights go off, like they're synchronized yeah. lights. Yeah. 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 Back okay. and forth. That, that song's called Wizards in Winter by Trans Siberia. That ha- it's a lot. It's a lot of guitar riffs to it, but a lot of piano in the background. Yeah. So if you, if you were to put that in a, a rock band game already, it would lose a lot of its effect. With the piano, it's no longer an issue. Indeed. So if they if they, if they churn out a Trans Siberian Orchestra free pack for Christmas or for the holiday, sold day one. I'll, I'll buy the game with the piano and download the pack the same day, and never leave my house. <laughs> um, did anyone play Enslaved? Yeah, I played a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've played, I've played a few hours actually, but uh, I haven't completed it. And it took me a while to really get into it and to appreciate the game. Um, at first, I kind of hated it, to be honest. The combat is sort of clunky-ish, and uh, the climbing. All the platforming is, like, barely participating. You just kind of hold the direction and tap A. But as I played, I realized that <clears throat> it's a Ninja Theory game, and it's really about the story and the characters and the world. So I just sort of took it as a interactive spectatorship when I was tapping A to jump along these big walls and landscapes and everything. And it was really beautiful, which is cool. And even the the combat started to get a little bit more enjoyable, but 
it's really about these two characters and their relationship and where they're going and how they're getting there. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see more. Kyle just put up his review today and he sort of says the exact same thing. So that's cool. Um, it's, it means good things for the future, for me at least. So I, I want to keep playing. But there are parts that are just really frustrating. Like there are these long fields where the main character, Monkey, gets shot at and it's just a bitch, and, you know, some of the combat's just really annoying. I suppose it only gets better as it goes. So, yeah, I, I was reading uh, Matt's, or, or Kyle's review, rather, uh, and I I guess I was just confused about what it was that made this game so great. Um, I, I guess it's the characters? Is, it, is that... Is yeah, that the relationship between these I two characters say, that elevates it. I would say that it, it is. It's a lot of the ways that they interact constantly throughout the adventure, um, as well as in prescribed cutscenes. You know that flesh out their relationship, and um, they're just really well acted. And uh, I haven't gotten into the real meat of the story yet, but it seems like there's a compelling and emotional motivation for everything you're doing once you reach a certain point and i think that i can tell that it's about to become really gripping but i haven't quite gotten there yet so i can't say for sure um the people i've spoken to like kyle and uh, and other friends on twitter say yeah that's exactly what it is so uh, i kind of believe them even though i was skeptical at first and i loved the previous ninja theory game heavenly sword it was a really good game uh, especially in terms of narrative and characters. That's fair. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Well, I, I wanted to try that because the source material, Journey to the West, or the what inspired it, I should say, um, is actually the same source material for Dragon Ball Z, which happens to be one of my favorite anime series. Judge me all you want, but it's the truth. I am an anime fan, and I do tend to pick some of the very popular... And, and enjoy to watch some of the very popular uh, anime, the shonens that uh, people tend to uh, imagine 12-year-old boys watching. Um, now, with me saying that, I'm going to come out and admit that, yes, uh, in this month of October, I bought the latest Naruto game. I went out and bought Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Ninja Storm 2, a mouthful of a title. Longest title ever. <clears throat> um, and... I have to say, being a fan of the the show, I actually was a fan of the show, and then I stopped watching it. I'd given up hope on the show uh, because the plot line had been going on and on and on uh, for hundreds of episodes. Um, but playing the game actually got me wanting to watch the show again because the game goes right up until the point where the anime is now in Japan. And it's one of the first ever anime games that I think has ever done that. Where it's currently running and it has and it's like caught up to exactly where it is not just in America but in Japan. Um, so the fact that it got me to want to watch the show again was was quite a feat in itself. And uh, aside from just the storyline, which was actually really really good for an anime uh, fighting games uh, story, uh, the fighting system in it is probably one of the it's probably actually one of the best fighting games I've ever played. The, the way that, the, that it works is uh, you're put in kind of a 3D uh, circular environment and you have two 
it's your two different characters facing off against each other with two support characters. And unlike all other Naruto games before it, they completely got rid of these stupid little uh, mini-games that happen whenever you land one, where you have to, like, hit a certain button at a certain time, or it's whoever hits these buttons in sequence fastest will overcome. No, it's it's pretty much just like in games like Marvel Cap 3 and Street Fighter 4. If you land that attack, it will go straight into a really quick animation, and you will land the, the attack, and it will do its damage, which I really like. Aside from that, it's it's a really smooth, solid fighter that a lot of people can just pick up and play really easily. Basically, anybody who's a skilled fighting fan can uh, go into and learn more depth and learn more strategy. Uh, so it's it's pretty much got everything that uh, a casual fighting game fan and a, like a hardcore fighting game fan would like. And the addition of online um, even makes makes the game even better. Cool. Um. I, I, I kind of got turned off by the Naruto game as soon as I heard that a Tekken character was in it. That kind of made me like... Eh. Yeah, that, that turned me off a little bit, but there's already... Uh, Lars, the Tekken character, is one of, like, over 40 characters. Oh, all right. So there's a hell of a lot more characters with a lot of variety and a lot of different um, attack tactics um, than... Than you, would, uh, than you would think of. Like, it's definitely one of the most varied, robust... Um, fighting game rosters I've uh, I've seen in a fighting game. I, I don't know if I would go so par- far as to praise it as, like, the greatest fighting game to ever come out or to say, like, it's better than Street Fighter 4 or Tetsunoko vs. Capcom or it's going to be better than Marvel Cap 3 because then that, that's that's just ridiculous blasphemy. But it definitely is a really, really good top-tier fighter that I think a lot of fighting game, fighting game fans should really take a look at and give a shot. Good. I may do that even though Naruto Hill's Zone 1 kicked my ass. <laughs> Um, well, speaking of excellent fighting games, I think it's a terrific segue to New York Comic Con 2010 that Michael and I, along with our trusty cameraman, Matthew Boyle, attended this year. Um, it was dominated by a certain game that I'll get into, but I'm afraid if what I could do that, that be? I'm afraid if people... <laughs> We talk about that first. Um, a, this podcast will go to midnight, and B, Mike won't get to talk. So no. I'll let Mike go first. And what was one game or one thing that you saw that really stuck out to you at Comic-Con? Actually, the game that stood out surprisingly to me is uh, Sega's Captain America Super Soldier. It really stood out for me because uh, Sega's history with uh, superhero games is quite obviously and quite bluntly, atrocious. Iron Man and Iron Man 2 were absolutely terrible games, and I, when I heard that there was a Captain America game coming out uh, to coincide with the movie, uh, the Marvel comic book fan of me was going, oh God, please do not ruin Captain America. Please, not him. Anybody but him. <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> when, we, um, when I actually watched the demo, it really surprised me. It looks like Marvel's version of Batman Arkham Asylum, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because Arkham Asylum was a really great game. And one thing that really stood out for me is that they don't have Captain America fight like Batman because any comic fan knows that Batman and uh, Captain America, even though they're very good martial arts uh, superheroes, like they know their hand-to-hand combat really well, they both have different fighting styles. 
Uh, Batman is more like strong-handed, uh, will just punch somebody in the face really, really hard, wants to lay somebody out like quick with brute force. Captain America is a much more acrobatic per, uh, fighter who shows a lot more finesse and uh, and style when fighting somebody. And I was very pleased to see the fact that uh, uh, Steve Rogers in the game, uh, he does backflips, he does spins, he will um, twirl and do uh, spinning kicks and all these different acrobatics that you see in the comics and will want to visualize. Um, and on top of that, it also has... Uh, it also has uh, platforming sequences, which are very nice. Uh, it also it's not just um, like your typical like you know reach over a pole to go to another pole. Uh, it'll be swinging flips from one way to the other, and if you fall, Steve Rogers just like doesn't land the next part of the platforming as smoothly. Um, and another nice uh, part of the of the demo was the use of the shield. How you can throw the shield and it'll bounce back at people, and there will and it can hit multiple enemies at at a time and then come back. And at the very end of the demo, we did get our first villain reveal. After the villain talked for a little, little bit, he opened up his stomach and it was uh, um, Arnim Zola. It was a Zolabot. So, Zolabot. So Arnim Zola will be in the Captain America game. Uh, yeah, I got I got a chance to look at that too. Um, I actually played a little bit of demo as well. I was impressed. It, it definitely seems like it's trying to build off of the Arkham Asylum formula. Um, I'm not gonna go so far as to say it's a direct copycat. It's not. But um, I, uh, I I had a hands on. It controlled well. Um, I thought the shield thing was kind of weird, but um, I have to say the developer controlled it a whole lot better than I did. I was like trying to tinker with it, and I'm like. All right, I don't get it here. <laughs> he's just like wailing through it, but I'm just like, yeah, yeah, he, he's better than me. <laughs> um, real quick, before I go into my rant, I want to talk about Lost in Shadow. Because Lost, I want to hear about that. Lost in Shadow um, blew me away. Like, I, like, it, it's one of those games where you have to adjust to it because you're used to playing platformers like, like Mario and stuff like that. And you're just you're playing, and and everything's going great, whatever. But now that you're a shadow, and now that you're in the background, like there were times where I literally had to stop and readjust to the fact that I was in the background because I was expecting my guy to land on the platform, and he didn't. He landed on the platform shadow. And there were a couple of times that 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 assumption got me killed, and I had to start over again. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah, like yeah I was thinking about I it. Wanna, but yeah, I, I have a lot of hope for that game. Like, it kind of, it, it's going to be, like, remember how Bayonetta everyone was, like, really hyped about? And then it came out the first week of January. And some of the, you know, post-Christmas um, poverty kind of kept it from selling well. But eventually it did really well because it was a great game. I think the Lost in Shadow did the same thing. When is it coming out? January 4th. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's a, not a great time. No, not at all. I mean, it's a good way to start the year because it, it, the, the platforming was cool, the puzzle solving was cool. Now, I'm not going to go out here and say that it's, that it's a better platformer than Braids because then I'll get fired from the website. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for it. But um, it's definitely awesome as a platformer. 
And it's definitely a game that if you like games like Braid, and um, I would even say maybe PB Winterbottom or Mario or stuff like that, you're going to love it. You're going to love it because it's a great platforming experience. It really is. Um, Murph, did you play anything else that you want to talk about? Oh, uh, talk about the one from Square. Yes, I played uh, Kingdom Hearts... Recoded. Uh, yes, Recoded, which is R-E colon space coded. Uh, and basically what that game is, is it is the first Kingdom Hearts game to have narrative that goes beyond Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, basically, the end of Kingdom Hearts 2, you receive this book that had data in it, and the data becomes corrupted. So Sora has to go into the data book and uncorrupt it. And eventually, after he uncorrupts it, he goes out, and there's more adventures in the Kingdom Hearts universe. And uh, I was told that it will that it heavily heavily hints the ending of of Recoded will heavily heavily hint towards a Kingdom Hearts three. Oh, awesome! There's like a there's like a secret movie at the end. You know how Kingdom Hearts one and two had the secret movies. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Recoded has a secret movie that Kingdom Hearts fans their heads will explode. See, hold on. Can we talk for a second about the titles of these games? What are they? Saying? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Did you they, they, they just take they just take letters and words and throw it together and think it makes sense. I might have played a little bit of Marvel's Capcom Three. I might have, you know, loved every fucking second of it. That game is gonna ruin my life when it comes out. Like, Steph's gonna dump me. I'm going to grow a beard to my waist. <laughs> I, I'm going to smell like a truck. Hey, oh, man. I, I mean, the only disappointing part about that game was the fact that it was the Tokyo demo. And the four characters they announced in the Tokyo demo were not in it. So no Tron, no Spider-Man, no Wesker. And wah, wah, wah. X-23 was the fourth. That, that's something. Was the hold on? Did you just say that Arthur wasn't in it? No, Arthur. Arthur was actually announced at that show, so I wouldn't expect. Oh, so he wasn't playable or anything. No, Spencer, Spencer, Arthur, Magneto, and Modok were announced on Friday, Friday night, Saturday morning. Um, Spencer and Arthur at the Capcom panel, which if you haven't seen my video, um, people got loud. But eighteen characters, nine on each side. Um, Amaterasu, the wolf from Okami, for those who aren't familiar, is probably going to be the Ken of Marvel vs. Capcom, because she was the Ken of New York Comic Con. I think every match, at least 80% of the matches that I watched, had that damn wolf in it, either one side or both. Um, basically, the game plays great. There's a lot of promise. <laughs> So, uh, see you on November uh, 30th when I talk about Epic Mickey and nothing else. Well, maybe it's Epic Mickey, but um, this has been the versus Node replay for October 2010. For news director Mike Murphy, staff writer and resident dude Dan Crabtree, Ooh. and editor-in-chief, his triumphant return, his triumphant robotic return to the versus Node replay, Eddie and Zotto, I... I'm Associate Editor Jason Finelli. We'll see you next month.